I'm Cullen Gokhurst, CEO and founder of Union Kitchen. And this is Food Founders, stories from launch to scale. Let's get started. In this episode, we speak with Greg Dorazio and Kate Clark from Giant Food. Giant, a subsidiary of Ahold Deleuze, operates nearly 200 retail stores in the Mid-Atlantic region. With a new initiative focused on local products, Greg and Kate are here to share their best practices for onboarding with new retailers, what makes a product stand out at Giant, and why e-commerce is a great way to expand your customer base. I'm Colin, CEO and founder of Union Kitchen and the host of our podcast. It's awesome to have you guys here. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we get started? Just, you know, let's introduce you to everyone listening. Greg, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, thanks for having us again. And uh, I guess I'll start off with just quick background bio. Love it. I grew up outside of Philadelphia and um, bounced around uh, after college, you know, lived on the West Coast, lived in the Midwest, and then found my way back closer to home. And uh, now I live in Annapolis with my wife and my daughter who's eight years old. So we do a lot of chasing her around, um, <laughs> but it's great to be in the DC market now. Fantastic. And Kate, you want to say hi? Yes. Hi, um, I'm Kate Clark. I'm the e-commerce merchandising manager at Giant Foods. So I support our non-perishable team. I uh, grew up in New Jersey, uh, live in Maryland now. Also a mom, have two little girls, five-year-old and a seven-year-old. We were just talking about softball and running them around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very happy in Maryland now. Gotcha. And so, you know, uh, you work in food now and you've been doing that for a little bit, but I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about, um, you know, how you got into food. Yeah. So I was thinking about it actually on my way here. I have 18 years of e-commerce experience, which sounds crazy when you say it out loud, (laughs) Um, but spent 14 years at a company called Custom Inc. So wholesale apparel, you know, you get t-shirts for Union Kitchen. I managed our uh, merchandising team there. Decided I needed to change, um, so moved over to home improvement. So worked for Home Depot for a couple of years, uh, managing online experience of everything from flooring to paint to fencing. <laughs> so it was a really interesting experience. And then made the shift to food actually right before COVID. Um, so started at Giant Food and um, it's been a whirlwind ever since. Yeah, but you know, yeah, definitely. Food e-commerce. Food e-commerce, yeah, two weeks before COVID, but it's <laughs> it's been awesome. Really enjoying gotcha. it. And did you want to get into food? Is that a passion of yours or is it something that just kind of fit your experience? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, the food industry in e-commerce is exploding. Um, and so just you know, being part of that movement, that industry was really exciting to me. And when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped on it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Greg, um, we got to learn about kind of you jumping yeah. around, but what, what, your title and what are you doing right now for Giant? So I'm the e-commerce lead for Giant Food. Uh, okay. It sounds like a big job, but really <laughs> it's about keeping everyone in our organization working on e-commerce pointed in the same direction. So there's thousands of people when you think about delivery drivers and people in the stores and yeah. people in IT. But I think at the end of the day, my role is to make sure we're all heading in the same direction, that there's a North Star out there, mm-hmm. and that our customer experience from end to end is great, is best in class, you know? And so that's what I kind of define my role as, as the, the head of e-commerce. Gotcha, so thinking about the customers. Absolutely, it has to, yeah, I mean, we only get a small amount of their time, in person at least, so it's critical that their online experience, their app experience, their customer service experience, if they call us, 
in addition to the you know the fulfillment end of it um, is great. So yeah, trying to juggle all those balls and keep all those functions kind of aligned is is tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've worked in food you know, my whole career, um, and food is ultimately just a making people happy, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these logistics that go into all these weird little things, all the things that a chef does or a dishwasher does or a, a driver does that that makes it work. But ultimately, it's just like how does the how's the people eating that food feel good? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, your background. How did you get into food? Is this something you've been for a while? No, it was a little bit of a roundabout way. Um, after college, I was an engineer, so okay. I was in the aerospace <laughs> industry, actually, out in Seattle. <laughs> I built uh, different kinds of electronic systems, which go into Airbus and Boeing planes, and I felt really far from the product, even though it was like saving lives and doing great things. And so I went back to grad school with, in my back of my mind, I knew I wanted to get closer to the sort of end customer. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with an internship at General Mills up in Minneapolis, and what pure, you know, consumer product out there than Cheerios and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So that was my entry into food. That was my entry into um, sort of customer, you know, facing roles and products. And it's been great ever since I spent 11 years there and then came into Ahold and our giant brand um, about seven years ago. And pretty different. I know in food, but like, you know, General Mills, it's, um, they're just, a, they're a CPG, they're a manufacturer, they're a marketing company. Yep. And, um, now you're with a retailer, which is kind of on the, the other end of the, the equation of getting it to the final consumer day in and day out. Yeah, the biggest difference is probably the margins. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a box of Cheerios, we, we had a good 60, 70% margin on that. And then in food, in retail, as as we experience, I mean, we're talking three cents on the dollar. Oh, yeah. uh, it is a, a brutal, yeah. you know, cost. Very different than apparel, too. That was yes. very eye-opening to me, really, coming yeah. from apparel to food. Yeah. Yeah, it is shocking, I think, to most people. You know, I was in restaurants for a while, and I think the margin there is, like, negative something. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fun, I think. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> awesome. So, um, I think one of the most exciting things to talk with you guys about is e-commerce. Mm-hmm. It's what you're doing, of course. It's what your experience is in. Um, it's what you're directing at Giant. Mm-hmm. You guys have been an awesome partner uh, with Union Kitchen. Thanks. As we've been able to, you know, pivot more towards e-commerce mm-hmm. with, with the pandemic. Um, but... Uh, on that note, so pandemic, e-commerce, you started right before that. You've been doing it longer than here. Talk to us, you know, how did the strategy or how did things change, um, you know, in March of 2020? Did, kinda, yeah. did you have the plan in place already or did everything change? I think the plan was was moving and it was in motion. Um, and so we were rolling out, we were at the time rolling out more geographies for delivery. We were adding fulfillment in each of our stores. So we had about 100 giant pickups at the time. Yeah. Now we have almost 100% of our stores covered with it. So we were getting there, but man, it just slapped us you know, really hard when it actually hit. <laughs> all of that infrastructure even wasn't enough. You know, we immediately sold out every delivery slot we opened. We immediately had to <laughs> dial back our service on Giant Pickup, for instance, because we just couldn't staff it. Really? Yeah. The amount of people coming into the store, the supply chain difficulties, the COVID cases that were pulling people out of the store, you know, that was the biggest sort of nightmare is we just were trying to keep the the product on the shelf because, as you remember, people were short on toilet, <laughs> toilet paper, paper and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> we, we didn't want to promise something online that if you came to the store three hours later, we wouldn't have. And so for those reasons, we actually had to sort of tap the brakes a bit 
through COVID in March and April of 2020. So was that you were pri trying to still prioritize the in-store experience, making sure that stock was there a bit a before bit. online? Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's very interesting. It was it was survival at that point <laughs> than anything, right? I mean, we were trying to ma manage people's expectations because of the you know the shelves were wiped out. The that's great. You know, we were sold out for like two weeks. I mean, you mm -hmm. couldn't even get a time slot. Yeah, and then substitutions for products out of stock. You know, figuring that piece out. And I mean, it ultimately I think goes back to customer satisfaction. A lot of customers were trying us for the first time, and that's you know we wanted their experience to be as good as possible. You know, they had a lot of options at that point. So when, just keeping and maintaining those customers. Yeah, when you say yeah. for the first time. First time e-commerce or first time ever engaging with the giant brand? I mean, probably, I mean, you might be able to speak to it more, but a little bit of both. I mean, okay. I think a lot of people in that moment tried online grocery shopping for the very first time yeah, in their lives because they were scared and you know, they didn't want to go in a store. And I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, it was, well, it was mm -hmm. something that people did think maybe you should grocery shop online. Right, or just wasn't so part of their routine or, like yeah, like, I mean, you know, a million reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that everyone was online. Yeah. Did you guys have to shut down stores or were they all open every day, whole time? We kept stores <laughs> open. Um, like I said, the labor force, the supply chain, you know, that was the biggest struggle. If you remember, we had senior hours in the morning. Mm -hmm. we had, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. And there were, there was definitely a lot of adjustment being made every single week <laughs> um, on both the e-commerce side and on the store side. But it was about just trying to you know, we were a critical service back then. We were kind of on the front line and there wasn't an option to just shut down right. and walk away yeah. because we were needed, whether it was bringing it to your house or whether it was staying open um, to feed people because restaurants weren't open and people, yeah. you know, were locked down. So, All right. in, in some ways it was, it was good to, for us, you know, running our small grocery stores and manufacturing lots of food and mm -hmm. you guys, Know that we were doing necessary important work you know that people you know had to eat and the mm -hmm. supply chain really mattered um yeah. and we take these things for granted i think a lot mm -hmm. and um you know we had to not take them for granted during a pretty difficult period yeah that was cool so um i know from my own experience that the, the kind of the e-com for giant has changed quite a bit from say you know when you joined right before COVID to where it is now um what is kind of the, the e-com offering right now? What, what What's it called? What can we do? What can't we do? You know? Yeah. I mean, I would say at the very basic level, it's three legs of the stool. We have Giant Delivers, home delivery, free delivery during the week, three ninety five on the weekend. Okay. Very, very clear cut. We shop it for you. It's our own people. It's our own drivers. Mm -hmm. So we're really proud of the fact that awesome. our trucks are in your neighborhood all across the city here and across the, the mid-Atlantic. Um, that's a point of difference. Giant Pickup, second leg of the stool, you know, curbside, we're shopping it for you. Again, our associates, we're watching the quality, uh, free service, no minimum order. And then the third piece of it is Instacart. So we are out on a marketplace oh, where gotcha. other retailers are also on Instacart. And during the pandemic, they actually provided access capacity for us. So they were yeah. able to help fill it in with those gig shoppers and providers. That's more of a premium service, though. I look at that as more of a rush. If you're willing to hire that personal shopper yeah. who's going to go to the store for you. And you need it in an hour. And text <laughs> you back and forth, you know, a substitution. Yeah, that's that's the third leg. But it's um, it's certainly more of a, you know, defined need there in terms of that rush and, and premium. Yeah, awesome. And, and what's the split between those? Do, do you find that some of them are more popular or? It's roughly right now almost a third, third really? yeah. each of them. Yeah, so we see you know slight, two thirds of that being delivery. Then 
um, and about a third being um, pickup, but it varies by what town you're in. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of DC, it's delivery. Yeah, you go out to measure, yeah. Pick up. Yeah, yeah. You to the suburbs, the further out you get, the more rural, you definitely get more pickup interest in. It's just, you know, it makes sense, right? The DC Beltway, you don't want to sit in traffic and drive to the store, or maybe you don't have a car, you're commuting on Metro, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of difference that, that we also see, which mm-hmm. drives the different demand. Yeah, I've always been so intrigued uh, at these things. You know, I lived in New York, uh, in the city of Manhattan in 2002 or something, um, and they had, uh, what was it, Peapot, or yeah. I forget what it's called, but... Um, you know, it was it was awesome because it, how do you grocery shop in this city? It's it was so difficult. You're gonna right. these bags, you're gonna get like your, your ten pounds <laughs> your of chicken on the on the subway. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and then you know, moving to DC, and I've lived in Chicago and Boston, mm-hmm. and moved to DC, and and uh, when I moved here, there wasn't a delivery option really uh, that was significant at the time. And so now it's all here. We're kind of all living, you know, in this in this reality. Yeah, uh, delivery makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you, know? you said it. I mean. People have experimented with it through the pandemic, but now we're catching up to what fashion and electronics and toys and everywhere. Right, else there's just a comfort level, yeah, that I think wasn't there pre-COVID. Well, I think the concern was like, you know, am I going to get a good vegetable? Am I going right. to get good meat? Yeah. And, and I think that's still the concern, mm-hmm. probably. I, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm sure you guys are working hard and trying to control for that. They're all yeah. good apples, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're all good pieces of meat, but I think that's an interesting side of it. Yeah. Yeah, there, our number one metric is probably the net promoter score, our NPS. Mm-hmm. It's our customer satisfaction that says, hey, are we giving you quality items? Are we getting there on time? Are we, you know, giving you a quality experience through the site and the checkout? And that's, you know, that's all a measure of are we succeeding there? Because it's really hard. When you think about grocery, why isn't it higher percentage of e-commerce? Mm-hmm. It's because it's three temperature states trying to be brought halfway across town and it's really hard to do when you consider Amazon or somebody else just needs to throw one box with one item in it on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more care has to go in. Much yeah, more care. definitely. That's a great way to yes, say. to the Absolutely. eggs on the truck. <laughs> you got the timer right. You know, I can't sit on the on the porch for hours. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. You know, it shifted gears a little bit. Um, I want to think about kind of um, how brands, you know, manufacturers are putting food on your guys' shelves, and so specifically. Um, the advantages, so we've, of, of e-commerce, mm-hmm. or the advantages of being in the physical kind of retail store. So at Union Kitchen, for years, we've been pushing very hard on just the, the advantages of being a brand that sells through brick and mortar stores, leveraging the existing distribution networks, because they scale really well, right. right? As you're selling more, you get bigger pallets, your costs go down, your shipping costs go down, mm-hmm. all this. And if you're doing e-com, you know, if you're selling on Amazon or you're selling on your website, your costs don't really go down over time. You can reach more people, but there are the economies of scale are, are less so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've always made this big emphasis on work through the kind of traditional network of, of retailers. Um, but with, uh, with COVID, you know, we changed our tone pretty heavily on that. But yeah. listen, online is a tremendous place to drive sales, to learn from customers because you can learn quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Etc. But mm-hmm. you know, for for you guys, uh, I'm curious. You know, how do you think about those advantages, and how do you talk to brands about that? Because you guys are bringing out a lot of brands. Yeah. Some some of ours, of course, right. um, that are in the Union Kitchen Accelerator, but mm-hmm. hundreds of other brands. Yeah. How do you think about the advantages? How do you even like sell a brand on doing e-com first or retail first mm-hmm. or 
both first. I don't know. Right. Tell, yeah. me, tell me what you think about it. I'll take that one, Greg, because um, <laughs> I'm doing it all the time. I mean, I really propose it as a test and learn. Um, you know, our stores are great, but the, the timing is long for us. Mm -hmm. It's called a cycle reset. It could be nine months. If you missed that window, you got to wait almost a year, if not longer. Um, online, we're much more nimble. You know, we don't necessarily have a rigid cycle reset calendar. I could have a call with you. You could be up on our site in four weeks selling your product. So I would say that's the biggest advantage. And also it's, I mean, a little bit of a mini testing ground. So we can figure out, does your pricing work? Does your packaging work? Um, are customers responding to your product? If they're not, you know, let's troubleshoot why. I mean, we really want to work as partners with these brands um, so they succeed. And then, you know, the ultimate goal is pipelining, you know, specifically with Union Kitchen, these products into stores. I think right now yeah. we have four brands that started in e-com and are now on store shelves in Giant or are close to being on store shelves so in how Giant. They, how they make that transition? Like basically they, they listened and, you know, made a product that worked and the numbers were there and you moved them? Or were there... A little bit. I mean, I would say sales obviously yeah, are number one um, in units, but also even sales within your category. I mean, you could be you know, in a, a smaller category like frozen appetizers and be killing it, you know, even though your sales aren't super strong, um, you know, overall, but also filling a unique gap in our offering. I mean, that's part of it too. Okay. Um, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Um, we also tend to see just more traditional items um, do well. So for instance, Period. with local, yeah. I mean, for instance, you know, like frozen items do well, coffee does well. So it, it's a variety of factors. Um, I think, you know, a lot plays into it. I think the other thing with e-com is you get a slightly different customer base. You know, you right. get more early adopters, yeah. you get more tech savvy. So it's a different audience. It's slightly more premium households and okay. affluent households, which could be a benefit to some of the brands, most of the brands. Yeah. Um, a new innovative brand typically is going to be better. Yeah. Or willing to spend a little bit customer. more money. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. if you go into brick and mortar, remember you're going to be everywhere. If you're getting accepted into that reset mm -hmm. on the shelf, you're in every neighborhood across all our, you know, 165 stores. So yeah. you're in high end neighborhoods, you're in inner city neighborhoods, you're in rural, suburban, it's, it's all over. So you have to survive and win everywhere. Yeah. Whereas online, maybe you're a little bit more of that pure play and you get a little bit more of uh, that purchase just out of curiosity from some of these kind of customers. Gotcha. Are there, are there sorts of products that maybe wouldn't do well in an online setting, but would do well in a store setting? Or is it kind of the other way around where, you know, you might have something that does well online, but maybe doesn't translate to the store because it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm curious. I could it? speak to the first one. I would say more grab and go impulse type items. Um, it's hard online unless okay. you're kind of showing it at the checkout or, you know, yeah. online <laughs> checkout. Um, they can get lost a little bit okay. in the shuffle. And we do, you know, again, online customers want to maybe purchase a six pack of soda. They don't want to yeah. purchase a single bottle that seems silly to buy that online. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, things like that, I think, tend to suffer a little bit as well as maybe items that are just more niche or kind of not confusing, but just hard to understand where you'd want to pick up the package. Those struggle a little bit too. Yeah, one of the things for me is it's just a difference with online versus maybe a pro or con, but once customers find something they like, it's harder to discover. But once they mm -hmm. find it, it becomes part of their past purchase yeah. and it becomes just a one click, I can load half my cart for next week. And so your loyalty almost is a little bit higher with online if you make it in and people yeah. are right. like it and want to buy it again. So it's an interesting thing for, for brands to think about. How do you get in that purchase in the crowded online marketplace? Because yeah. there's a real stickiness. Yeah. 
I mean, I order online um, from uh, from you guys, and I, I basically get the same thing every time because you're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do yeah, do that again. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I, I do want that. Thank you for reminding me. You know, mm-hmm. carrots. You know. <laughs> Um, so my diet is really locked in. You yeah. Know, carrots, celery, apples, cucumbers, everything. You're a real healthy. Healthy. Guy. Yeah. healthy. That's the healthy things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm eating a lot of Italian subs in our stores. You know, which is detracting. You know, <laughs> That's like, awesome. Um, my doctors had to talk to me about that. So. <laughs> um, okay, so we're seeing kind of a different purchasing behavior mm-hmm. um, online versus in store. But I also imagine, in, you know, pre-pandemic to. So kind of where we are now and, and through the pandemic, that maybe people were looking for larger format stuff um, because maybe they just changing lifestyle. And we, we counseled and coached a lot of our teams to do larger stuff. You mm-hmm. know, if they were doing, you know, a small thing, let's move to 64 ounce. You right. know, let's, let's, you know, if it's a single serve, let's move to a multi-serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that making a massive difference over the last couple of years. I don't know if, is that a pandemic thing or is that an online thing or both? I think it's a little bit of both, honestly, but we've seen the exact same thing with larger sizes, bulk, you know, if you will, just growing leaps and bounds. I mean, I'm looking more at the online side, but I know the store side has seen it as well. We created a a bulk, you know, landing page for our customers, even to house all the products together and thinking of eight miles, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're launching his larger format, family size Mac, you know, next week. We had that one here. It's It's huge. Um, huge. But we're definitely seeing that demand from our customers. Gotcha. And speaking of eight miles, you guys are, um, are you launching that online or also into the stores or? It is launching online to start. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I'll say about bulk though, is we also have a a decent business to business delivery business. So e-com also includes us supplying office break rooms and college campuses and other kinds of formats where that bulk is more attractive. They're buying for multiple people in the office or something. So yeah. Brands should consider there are other audiences out there too, not just who's walking through those stores. Have you guys found yourself, you know, maybe working with a brand that doesn't have like the pack or larger format and asking them to do that? Um, is that something that maybe you've gotten to do, Kate? Or yeah, I mean, now that you say it, I probably should ask for it more. <laughs> a lot of times they're like, "Oh, we have this." I'm like, "Perfect." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely you know, especially if it's product that is doing well, that would be I would think a natural next step of can you make it in a larger format size. Because that's, you know, preferably how people might want to purchase it. I mean, you're working on some projects today right mm-hmm. now, which are e-com only. So we know okay. what we mm-hmm. watch, what sells well on Amazon yeah. or what transports well, right? Because if the cap keeps breaking off and leaking mm-hmm. dish soap <laughs> onto your groceries, yeah. that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> but the manufacturers are watching that and actually designing packaging yeah. and formats and different sizes and, and, you know, configurations to support now we care about how much weight is it, how big and bulky is it to transport. So all that matters to us from a profitability perspective. And now the best, I would say, leading edge mm-hmm. manufacturers are starting to take notice of building things for e-com only. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a fascinating change that um, everyone's probably going to have to make yeah. over the next few years. But people, uh, manufacturers feel like they've been slow. I mean, some fast, but a mm-hmm. lot have just been slow. They're like, nope, very this is how we make it. Yeah. And you're still buying it, so we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. No, and it's, thank you for bringing that up. That's interesting, too, because some formats, they're just they're not able to be sold in brick and mortar. They're not available for grocery, but, you know, they are available for online sales. Okay. And so, obviously, we're not Amazon, but if it's just Giant Delivers, that's kind of the, the avenue, you yeah. know, to be able to sell some of those products. So, it's been exciting. Yeah. No, it's very cool. So, I think that I've been thinking about throughout all of this is Beauty Kitchen. You know, we are trying to innovate awesome new products that people want, 
But, and, rather, and, <laughs> uh, we're doing it locally, right? We love having a local partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys have been awesome with that. In, in the last few years, it seems like you've made local a big initiative. Uh, what, what caused that? And, and tell us kind of what that means, like, to, to make local initiative. I think it's been part of our journey that we are rediscovering. You yeah. know, we've mm-hmm. been in this market for 85 years. It was a local grocer. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so we're kind of getting back to those roots a little bit. Our entire corporate staff. I mean, everyone it is truly operated and managed locally. And we want to get back to that. And it, I think it comes back to this vision that we have that is we want to be the most trusted and loved local food retailer. And that should mean reaching out to every local manufacturer, entrepreneur, restaurant, whomever is in the food space and pulling them in a little closer and talking to them and, you know, jointly figuring out those kind of partnerships. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I was talking to um, someone not in food, but um, kind of a a national retailer and things change market to market, what customers want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of like large retailers, they're not good at recognizing that. Uh, the difference in culture, the difference in types of people, purchasing behaviors, what they do where. Um, and I think there's so much value in just paying attention to what people want. And not only if consumers will buy them, but if someone's making it locally, it's because they think, because their friends, their family, their community has told them people will buy them. Right. And so it's a great kind of, um, I don't know, way to tell what a local trend is or will be is local products. And we always talk about that. Like the, what we love about people making things locally and selling them locally is they're representative of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, no one here is making things that people aren't going to buy. Right. Well, you know, not well at least. <laughs> uh, they're making things that people here want, you know, and as a local retailer, and that's what you guys are, right? Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It's the difference between taking one national assortment versus looking and understanding, like we would, the difference between a Baltimore buyer versus a Washington DC versus mm-hmm. an Annapolis buyer. There's different groups, you know, under each of those umbrellas. And so when you understand the difference at a local level, you come to a different conclusion about what you need to sell and how to sell it. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I think local can tell you a lot about your customers in mm-hmm. a way that uh, other things can't. Yeah. Cause I feel like when you're a store and we see this too, like, you know, very well what your customers like of what you have, what you don't know is what you don't have. Right and what they would buy if you did have it. And I think local can kind of tell you that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can get close to your customer um, and hopefully get some winners out of that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all the new local innovative products don't work, um, but some do. Right. And I think that's awesome. And I think what we heard too, a lot of customers wanted to purchase local, support local, but it was just, where do I find it? And exactly. so that's a lot of the work we've done online. Um, to actually have a local landing page. You go right on our website, you see it, and it's you can shop by state. You know, it's a really interactive, it's a very cool experience. And so being able to have customers find the product easily is, you know, step number one. Yes, and it is a very cool experience. You've done a great <laughs> job. And it's evolved a lot over the last Considerably, years. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I pulled some even just information because I wanted to because it's fun. But, um, you know, online, our local product growth, it's five times faster online than in store, um, over 10% of our local products are online only. You know, so we've okay. really grown you know, that area of the business, local specifically online. So it's been a great awesome. test and learn. Well, so you know, we're, we're here to talk about you know, um, giant and local brands mm-hmm. and the synergies there. Um, for anyone listening that has a brand and wants to <laughs> launch and be a part of this local program with Giant, what sort of advice do you guys give them? What's the best way to 
to get on your shelves, whether it's online or in stores? Uh, I'll take that one. Um, so I would say it sounds silly, but organization. Um, so coming in, having a line sheet, having um, you know the UPCs, the case pack information, yeah. uh, pricing, suggested retails, um, knowing who your competitors are, knowing you know what you're up against. I think that's really important. Packaging is really important. If you know your packaging isn't going to be ready for three months, we can have a great conversation, but it's going to be really hard to sell your product. Or if we take a picture and then it's going to change, you know, it makes things a little more challenging. Um, and then I'd also say being authentic. You know, talking mm -hmm. to a lot of these local vendors and just hearing their passion, hearing why they made the product, mm -hmm. you know, why it's important. Um, it's just it's been really touching, honestly, to hear what you know people have gone through to you know, sell and create these brands and products. So just be yourself and be organized. That's my yeah, two takeaways. I like those. I mean, that's, that's probably versions of what we say, but right. it's like have your stuff together, yeah. you know, yeah. and care about what you do. Be passionate. Right, you know? right. And that's not always an easy combination to find, you know. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship. It's mm -hmm. you're starting with passion. And what we're always thinking about is how do you put organization, a plan, a strategy right. with passion. It's kind of the core of what Union Kitchen is. Yeah. Mush those together. And see if you get something good that comes out the other end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, review process. Then, so they have their stuff together. Their passion, <laughs> they're just exuding passion. Um, what, what does it look like to then get your products in? Um, and then, how does that compare to maybe going into the stores versus you know going in online through right? Through you um, guys? So again, I said we're a lot quicker. Yes, um, so we would review the product. You know, we would see do we have anything comparable already. How is that doing? Is this filling a gap in our offering? Um, looking at price point. And then from there, it's a little more technical, but you know, we're getting your product imaged for online yeah. sales, which you, know, you can't it's take a picture fun. with your iPhone and, and send it to me. It, there's, um, I've learned coming from other industries, food, photography, especially on our website is very important. We have to show the nutrition information. Everything has to be you know, very set in a certain way. So once it's imaged, I mean, the process there is pretty straightforward. I mean, right now you guys are delivering uh, twice a week to our delivery warehouse. So that's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. And again, I would say, you know, maybe four to six weeks tops, um, kind of awesome. from start to finish. I mean, pending no image issues or, you know, an item shows up without a UPC, that happened before. Um, but oh. yeah, but overall, it's a pretty streamlined process. And again, very different compared to the length of time in the brick and mortar stores, where again, those cycle resets are you know, six plus months out. Yeah, so we're much more nimble. Hey, you know, obviously we love the, the, the retail, you know, the brick and mortar uh, channel, but, you know, growth plans can really go awry when you're like, listen, we're gonna go to this many stores this year. We're gonna be in how many ever? And it's like, well, actually you gotta wait a year. You gotta wait <laughs> nine months. Like just all Like, yes, like <laughs> they're very excited about you. Giant wants to have you in their stores, but like Q4. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's interesting. It is awesome that you can just like get in um, in four weeks. And I think it must be so powerful to your, your buyers that are on the retail side to have the data that you guys are then providing. Is, is that like a, a strong interaction? How does that work? You know, are they just like begging you guys for, for data and answers? <laughs> no, I, and I didn't, I mean, my role, I, I don't feel like I didn't talk about at the beginning, but I've really, you know, acted as a liaison between the category managers, the merchants at Giant Food, okay. and what's happening online. So a lot of okay. translating their um, hero items, their vision, making sure it's an omni-channel experience. Um, so yeah, I meet with all those category managers, at least, you know, on the non-perishable side. category managers are store. Store. So think of like okay. the store merchant actually choosing yeah. the products yeah. for the store. 
Um, so that's part of our monthly reviews. If they do have any products that fall under their categories, you know, touting, hey, you know, this frozen empanadas are, you know, doing yeah. awesome online. You know, this could be, a, you know, an addition kind of then liaisoning between the vendor and that category manager with me present yeah. to kind of, you know, get the conversation going. What, um, I know you kind of mentioned this before, um, but there's been a, a few um, communication products that have uh, come in, gone online, mm -hmm. found success, been able to transition to the stores, which, yeah. which is big. Right. Because you guys sell a lot of food. What, what are those brands? Um, so it's Snacklins, oh, Eat yeah. Pizza, and then coming soon, Compass Coffee and Stone's Star Hash. Okay. Those are good ones. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and they're, they're largely straightforward, basic things that people want, right? Yeah. There's, there's, uh, that's both true online and in stores. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, so you talked about this a little bit, kind of like best practices for being onboarded with Giant. Um, basically, have your stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> Great pictures. Yeah. Um, are, are brands taking pictures or are you guys doing all that with, uh, with like your own on your side? Um, it's a third party vendor. It's Syndigo. Um, so yeah. we work kind of outwardly with them and they supply the, the all the imagery. Gotcha. Um, so you're onboarded. Uh, you're online, you know, you're hoping to get to the stores, you're hoping to mm -hmm. grow your business. What is, how do you guys kind of think of success for a brand? Like when are you going and telling the merchants that like, man, this pizza is awesome and it's flying off the shelves. Like what's that look like? Is it, they have to beat the national competitor? Do they have to hit a certain number of sales? Do you need to just really like it yourself? <laughs> it tastes good. And that's what we were saying before. Um, I think it's a, it really depends on the product. Honestly, okay. I go back to that category example of, you know, the sales vary so different based on the category. But the example I use is Compass. You know, mm -hmm. in reviewing their sales on one of their products, it was outselling one of our Starbucks SKUs. And I was All like, right. oh my gosh, like something's <laughs> actually happening here. Um, but again, I think it depends on, to get into stores, the timing of, you know, that reset and everything. But yeah, I mean, I think, is it filling a gap? Is it a unique product? And is it, you know, selling or close to selling any national, you know, pace-wise any national brands? Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, we, we certainly respect and appreciate what these big national brands have done over time. But, you know, we want our brands to knock them off. Right, right. Um, in, in terms of like beat them. Um, that's what our stores are kind of for, you know? Mm -hmm. We've got these, these, these corner stores. We want to see Snacklands beat Doritos. We want to see Compass beat Starbucks. You know, we want to see Eat Pizza beat um, you know, Stouffer's or Amy's, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Um, are there some things that a local brand can do that position them maybe better to compete well against kind of a bigger, well-known brand? Are there things that you'd recommend people do? Yeah, and I know sometimes, you know, the digital marketing efforts that we have, it can be a little expensive for a, a smaller yeah. local brand versus, you know, a large CPG. Um, but even now, you know, I'm talking to one of the vendors that's about to launch and we're going to launch with a dollar off um, TPR, a okay. temporary price reduction, just so it, you know, is on sale off yeah. the bat. Um, that's a new tactic we're trying. Well, it um, makes sense with something you said earlier, like once you get in the cart, you know, right. Buy, it's just that initial buy. Up. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's a yeah, compelling that reason to do anything up front to get in the cart. Right. Right. <laughs> and then I talked about the local page. So that's actually, I mean, it's very prominent on our site now and you know, you can become a, a featured vendor on the local page. I mean, that's getting a lot of, you know, exposure and clicks too. So that's kind of an automatic thing that they don't have to pay for. You know, we're doing that um, just to highlight the product. That PR story is invaluable because I don't think the national brands are getting any sort of coverage locally. Right. You know, no, no one wants to tell that story. So that to me is one of their biggest assets is bring the PR, bring the following, bring your social media presence, whatever else you have. Go to events. We're getting, we're local. The brand is local. 
how do you get out there in the community and show this is what people want, mm-hmm. this is what people are aware of. And there's a little bit of an inherent demand that will mm-hmm. come with it too. So I think that's a benefit that they have versus a national CPG. Yeah, I do think that's maybe something that um, a small brand, an entrepreneur sometimes does forget um, or, or could focus more on is, okay, great, you're in Giant. <laughs> but how do you make sure it does well? Yeah. Right. You know, what can you do to, to sell? Because yes, Giant wants to sell your product, but they don't really care if they sell yours or someone else's. You know, they, they want to sell food mm-hmm. and they want to sell the food that sells the best. And so how can you get in there and support those sales? Can you can you get a story in the paper? Can you blast social media? Can you send all your friends and family to go buy your pizza? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's a story we're always trying to tell. And But I think that's not a natural thing because they're like, oh, Giant will sell it now. But basically your advice is, uh-uh, sell it. Get in there. Be in the game. It's both. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's partnerships out there, yeah. right? Like, are you in the local coffee shop at the checkout and people can grab an impulse, buy it yeah. there? Are you forming a partnership with one of the local sports teams? So you're over at the stadium yeah. and you're being sold there. That's how you, to me, get into the fabric of that local culture and food culture. And then, you know, that translates into sales through Giant or through Giant Online. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the selling is about engaging, you know, how yeah. you do that. Well, so kind of in wrapping up the conversation, <laughs> Um, you know, it's like, what's next for, for you guys? And I know there's a lot. So I guess I, I rephrase that of what are you most excited about that's next for giant and e-commerce? And you can both give me one. I'll give you one, which is a project that we've been working on for a long time. It's somewhat public now that we're going to be opening a second uh, delivery fulfillment center over yeah. in Manassas, Virginia. So it expands our reach a bit more. It expands our speed of delivery. Um, and we're just excited because it, it, it validates all the growth that we've been seeing in mm-hmm. e-commerce. It sets us up for the next you know, five to 10 years. And it, it's a commitment to that home delivery that we want to be the fourth truck in the neighborhood, right? Amazon, mm-hmm. FedEx, UPS, and Johnny. Okay. I mean, that's, I love that. that's, what I, that's what I love seeing. That's my vision. So to see a second fulfillment center open up where we can expand that reach and speed, that's going to be brilliant. Well, congrats. That feels like Thank you. You know, success. It's, it's not open yet. <laughs> it's coming. Well, we're excited to deliver there. Oh, we're, yes. ready. we're ready. We're ready. Yeah, you guys are confirmed. I already checked. Ooh, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, Kate, what are you excited about? Well, Greg stole mine a little uh, bit. Yeah, I was um, worried about that. He yeah. seemed like it. Yeah, yeah, he was really excited for that one. <laughs> no, I would say just, again, it was May of 2020. You know, I think when I started talking to you guys and we started yeah. doing kind of the test and learn with local and just to see local expanding. And I think more importantly, from the store side, see so much excitement about local from the brand of actually giant food being so excited about local um, and just really embracing it. So, you know, I think you'll see more, not even from the online side, but mm-hmm. from the store side of, you know, actually being able to like package local products together and, you know, being able to shop that way. So there's just a lot of movement and excitement around local. Um, so just excited awesome. to see that come into fruition. Harnessing it. Yes. Harness that excitement. Yes. Well, very cool. Well, Kate, Greg, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about Food and e-commerce and giant and business and all that good stuff. It's been awesome. Fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Food Founders. If you liked today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time on Food Founders. Stories from launch to scale.